All right, we want to welcome you into episode 33 of Trojan Talk. Yes, it is episode 33. We did not um, had some issues with episode 32, so we didn't get to post it. But um, we are here for episode 30, 33. I'm Zach Taranko here with Cole Purvis and Josh Pulse for joining us today. How are you guys doing this morning? Great. Excellent. Excellent. We rushed us in early for this one because we got <laughs> some Bruins to talk about. Yeah, as you can see, uh, both... Uh, both Josh and I are wearing our, our, our Chara jerseys for episode 33. Give a little uh, momentous occasion as he just retired. I'm just uh, sporting the nice uh, regular, you know, black and gold jersey as uh, you have on the 2010 Winter Classic jersey. Which I sure do, yes. Yeah. This one's uh, seen some wear and tear over the years. It's been it's a little dirtier than it used to be back in 2010, but uh, this is probably my favorite Bruins jersey they've ever worn. I love yeah. this one. Yeah, it's, it's, it is uh, very cool. We'll start off uh, today's episode with talking about the football team. They got a nice win in the blackout game, 44-7. to Just quickly about the blackout game, I want to ask, did you guys, uh, on, on the field, Josh, did you guys um, get a lot of baby powder down there? Uh, unfortunately, yes. I, I, I'm a big proponent of the theory of, you know, more is less or less is more in this situation. Okay. So I don't mind the baby powder to a certain degree. So <laughs> yeah, uh, sometimes it's a little too much. <laughs> yeah. But um, it, it was a good, great game, 44-7. to They dominated most of the game and, and had just had a really good, um, really good, like, uh, what do you call it, uh, momentum throughout the game. Moving on to 3-2, and two, which is a nice record for them. Uh, the big game coming up is uh, the game versus Skowhegan this weekend. They're on a two-game winning streak. They've done really well. They've outscored opponents by a lot. Cole, I want to ask you, looking ahead towards Skowhegan, we you know, don't really know a lot about Skowhegan. We know they have a decent team, and they're a Class B team. They are 6-0. and you know, what do you what do you think you're going to see from this game for TA? It'll be a test, and I think it'll be a challenge to go up on a Friday night, a long trip to Skowhegan, and what should be some not great weather, as we hear, if, if the game doesn't get moved. But um, it'll be a test for them on the road, and they haven't played at their last road game. They didn't play very well, so it'll be interesting to see. But Caden True's really gotten it rolling the last couple of games, and we've seen from him what we kind of expected at the beginning of the season. Uh, just running the ball really effectively and just leading this high-powered offense. And he's done really well, and the quarterbacks have really stepped it up. But uh, the defense is definitely their strength this year. The defensive line, they've had a lot of surprises on there. Um, and I think if they can just get keep getting pressure on the quarterback, keep batting this passes down, which is definitely this team's skill, mm -hmm. then uh, – they can win, but a lot of I've seen some rankings that have Skowhegan ranked ahead of TA, so it should be a really good matchup, and I'm interested to see a team that we don't play very often. Yeah, um, being a coach on the football team, I have obviously a little bit of a bias perspective, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, I, I think you know, anytime you go on the road, it's tough here in Maine, especially going up north. You know, Skowhegan's about a two-hour drive from Saco, so right there, it's just like a whole different mental mindset for the team. You know, we don't travel that that far very often we're very lucky in southern maine to have yeah. most of our opponents close so uh it's it's a whole different thing like uh we're being dismissed from school early because we have to get out early because we have to drive up there mm -hmm. you know you have to eat dinner on the road like in a pit stop basically in gardner we're going to stop and, and try to eat food in the middle of a parking lot on friday <laughs> night so you know there's a lot of those like little game day things that you know you don't necessarily see in the scoreboard or in the stat sheet that kind of go into preparation for a game like this but uh you know we only have one common opponent windham um and both us and uh Skowhegan kind of handled them uh in, in our respective games so uh certainly uh, they're gonna be a very good team uh they're gonna throw the ball a lot they're big they're physical uh it's gonna be a very good test and uh you know i think it's just one more uh reason why uh you know don't look at classes when you look at team matchups. You know, class A, class B, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, good football is good football. It doesn't matter what classification you're in. Yeah, definitely. And I, uh, I think it's tough. It's it's far away because you know, I'm not going to be here this weekend. But if it was, 
if I was, I, 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 might, I might make the drive. I would have probably made the drive, but um, it is pretty far away. Uh, but right now, we have a, a special interview with uh, a good friend of mine and a WHOU broadcaster, Rob Kennedy. We want to welcome in Rob Kennedy, a broadcaster with WHOU as well as with the Dartmouth men's and women's hockey team, uh, who's joining us to talk a little bit about the TA and Skowhegan uh, football matchup this week and a little bit about some other stuff as well. So uh, starting off first, I want to ask you, how are you doing today? Hey, doing great. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, definitely. So obviously, as I just said, you know, Skowhegan and TA have a big matchup this week. Uh, you know, again, we don't know right when that game might be because of the weather up here in Maine. But looking at this Skowhegan team who has accumulated a 6-0 and record, has had a really good season so far, really hasn't had much trouble. What about their players or coaches makes this team so special? Like what is the maybe the X factor, you might say, for this Skowhegan team? The thing about Skowhegan is that they're not overly fancy and they have some players that'll stand out, but really it's a full team effort for them and their defense, their team defense is what really impressed me in the times that I've seen them. They, it was kind of funny. They, they had a game against Edward Little this past uh, weekend and one of the defensive players, I forget which one said that, you know, we take getting scored upon personally. I think that's a great attitude to have and they don't get scored upon very often. I mean, most of the scores, when you look at their uh, rundown of their scores, you might see that uh, Lawrence got 21 points. I would got 14 last week, but a lot of that comes against the number two defense because of the time that, uh, you know, they, they, those scores happen, the Skowhegan's already well ahead. So that first team defense is not giving up a lot for scores. One, maybe two touchdowns over the course of the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, when you look at how Skowhegan compares to TA, whether that be the defense, the special teams, the offense, like, you know, just quickly, what might be a – the the big the key for Skowhegan and what might be the key for TA you know coming to this game and, and where they might need to uh excel or or to to win that game I think Thornton Academy and Skowhegan are real similar right now as far as how they're put together how they're established I mean they're both very talented I mean that's been the case with Thornton Academy really for most of the last decade it seems that coach Kiesel doesn't really have to rebuild very much he just has a program that the entire infrastructure from top to bottom going down to the, uh, the, the ranks of young kids coming up fourth and fifth grade, they really develop that talent. So the time he gets them, you've got some very good players down there and a great coaching staff too. And Skowhegan is, I think is a little more uh, recent to the scene. Of course, they've had some good teams in class B, but this is the best that I've seen them. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of balance between the two teams. I mean, both of them are not going to rely on one weapon, I know in Thornton Academy's case, you know, you've got uh, Ryan O'Keefe is a very good quarterback. Uh, you have a running a receiving core that uh, is pretty varied. Hayden Whitney can run, but he's not the only guy there. And I like what he said as well. He wants to be known as more than just a speed back, a guy who can also deliver some punishing hits. And Scott Hegan's the same way. I mean, they have uh, Adam Savage who's back quarterbacking them. He missed a couple of games. In fact, the game that I saw them play, he didn't play in that contest. It was Brendan Dunlap, the backup, who played, and they didn't miss a beat. But now Savage is back. He's an outstanding athlete. Yep. And you've got a, a multifaceted backfield, too, with Tyler Annis will run the ball, Hunter McEwen. Dunlap, now that he's not playing quarterback, is back there. And they can throw it as well. I mean, a guy whose uh, name and number you might see quite a bit is Quincy McRae out of Skowhegan. So I think these teams are very similar, and both have very, very potent defenses and defensive line. I think it's the defensive line of Thornton in the film that I've watched has impressed me the most about them. Yeah, definitely. And so just to finish this up, I, I want to ask you, unbiased opinion, knowing that they're, you know, TAs are going up to a uh, long drive up to uh, Skowhegan, what do you think the score or the outcome of the game might be? It's low scoring, I think. Um, you know, both these teams have offense, but then the defense runs the day. If they play it Friday night, 
keep in mind, you'd be playing that game probably in, in, in some sort of rain and maybe a driving rain, depending on what time that game gets played. That could factor in. I'm going to pick Skowhegan here, which is something that I wouldn't have uh, seen myself do at the beginning of the season when I saw this lineup. But having seen both teams, I'll go with a two-point game, something along the lines of a three-point maybe. Yeah, I'll go with, yeah, 20, 22-20. Let's make it a weird scoreline. 22-20 Skowhegan. I think it's going to be a very good game, though, overall. And uh, these are two teams that are definitely in my top four in the state. I'd have a hard time picking a top 10 after the top four. Yep. But right now, you know, it's Oxford Hills, Skowhegan, Levitt, and Thornton Academy in some order. That's not my order, but those are your top four teams. And mm-hmm. I think this could be a tremendous game on Friday night or Saturday if it's played on Saturday. Yeah, I agree. No matter if it's low scoring or high scoring, it's definitely going to be a, a great game. And I think low scoring because I don't think these teams make a lot of mistakes. It yeah. shouldn't be short fields for the most part. I think the defense is going to keep – is really going to give uh, the opposition trouble in both regards. Yeah, definitely. So, like, swinging things over to your own personal broadcasting career, you know, I, I, many people may not know, uh, you you do a lot of great work there at WHOU, and I was uh, fortunate to join you guys for the basketball playoffs uh, for Main State, which was nice last year. Um, but I just want to ask you, what has – broadcasting with WHO you've been like for you has how long have you done it and just just give a little information about that I haven't been with WHOU all that long it's kind of a more recent stop in the my broadcasting resume but started with them a couple of years back when they started doing the tournament and got involved with uh, with football first and then when they took over the, uh, the from uh, the Northeast Sports Network the high school basketball tournament mm-hmm. the uh, regional tournaments anyway um, kind of continued along with that because I was already here in Augusta. I already knew a lot of the broadcasters around, so I thought I could kind of help and organize the schedule. So mm-hmm. it's been a lot of fun. I really think WHOU uh, is one of the better streamers uh, in the state. It's a short list of professional companies that do some really good streaming. So I really like what, what they offer, and they've you know kind of started up in the county, made a name for themselves, of course, the HOU in mean, Holton is where they're from, yep. and have kind of moved themselves downward. They're doing some games in Bangor and now in the Augusta area too. So it's been kind of fun that they're now more down here to give me that outlet to, uh, to broadcast because there aren't as many streamers in the capital area as there used to be. Rob Munzing and Munzing Media, who I know has a Thornton Academy connection, is broadcast down there in years past is doing games up here with Gardner and Halldale, but he already has a football crew. And when radio kind of shut down up here, there wasn't a lot left as far as uh, outlets for broadcasters to get on. So when that opened up here, I was very happy to have some opportunities to call some football in central Maine in the Augusta Waterville area. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Uh, You also are the broadcaster for the Dartmouth men's and women's women's hockey team. What is your favorite thing about broadcasting? Not only just the Dartmouth teams, but also just hockey in general. It's fast. It's exciting. It's, it's a game where you can go from kind of a lull to massive excitement, you know, in a five second span, you know, there's a, Football, baseball, the plays kind of build up. You can kind of know in many cases. I mean, of course, there are there are long, big plays and explosive plays in football too, and you know, home runs that come out of nowhere in baseball. But you know, oftentimes the buildup is different. And in hockey, it just kind of explodes out of no place. And at the professional level, that's when you know twenty thousand people all of a sudden jump to their feet. And that's what always kind of got the allure for me as a fan was just that kind of energy and excitement that just kind of appears out of almost no place. It's, it's really just enjoyable to watch. I just love the speed and the skill level that the college players bring to the game. And that was true when I was at Bowdoin and Colby in the past. And, you know, now at, uh, at Dartmouth, it's just so much fun to watch. And at D1, I have the uh, opportunity to see some guys I know will be future NHL players, you know, uh, that are going to be going to the pros at some point. So that's a, that's a great perk to have as well. 
You'll see in drafted players who you can say, yeah, that person. Now, Matthew Coronado at Harvard will unfortunately see him this year. I was hoping it'd stick in Calgary, but uh, he's at Harvard this year, and he's definitely going to be in the NHL. So I just hope he doesn't put us to the sword the way Adam Fox did when he was at Harvard. Yep. I saw him play last night in ESPN for the New York Rangers. So it's kind of fun to see that. And you know, we have our own alumni, Drew O'Connor, who's uh, I think just made the team with the Pittsburgh Penguins too. So that's a real great part to see those those people who are future pros. Yeah. Does that season, does the broadcasting start for you soon with Dartmouth? Yeah, um, the the hockey season is underway in NCAA hockey, but the Ivy League has long kind of had its own schedule. So we don't start until about three weeks after everyone else starts. So the men's team will start next weekend with an exhibition against uh, University of Guelph from Canada coming down to Ontario. The women actually start next week on the road with their first Cunnelbling game at Harvard. So my season will start the next weekend where the women are at home against Brown and then Yale. And the men will come in and take on the same teams the following weekend, the first weekend of November. So in my schedule this year, in years past, I was on the road with the men's team. So I just go where they went. And this year, Dartmouth's not doing road radio. So I'm going to be doing the ESPN broadcast at home. And when the men are on the road, I've now re-upped with the women, which is where I started at Dartmouth with the women's team. So I'm thrilled to be able to be broadcasting for both the men's and women's now because I always kept a pretty close eye on the women's program, being that's who gave me my start. And being able to work with them again, I'm very excited about. Definitely. And just to finish up, I want to ask you, what is your your favorite thing about Maine high school sports? And and also add maybe what is what do you think sets Maine high school sports apart from other states or other places? I've lived in a couple of states, and it is different here. I think the closest to where uh, I've lived elsewhere that's close to Maine was Vermont. Mm -hmm. And we're very similar in Vermont to Vermont that, you know, we're both small states, not densely populated, not many cities, a lot of rural areas. And mm -hmm. what it means here in Maine, what I like the best about it is just how much high school sports means to the community. And you really see that in the postseason with basketball. I mean, I think that's the best example, though, what the high school tournament in basketball means. And it, it doesn't matter whether you're down in southern Maine, where you guys are in Saco and in Cumberland and York County, the more populated part of the state. The fans, the community members, they all show up at the Civic Center or the Expo for those games. They're always packed. Same thing in Augusta. It's a more rural community up here. And in Bangor, it's really something else. I think that was the, the place that really surprised me so much that how a small school like say the Easton Bears can bring so many people down from Easton to, uh, to, to Bangor and watch their team play. It just means so much to the community and the athletes know that and they feed off that. And that's what I like the best about it. Just seeing the community come out to rally around their athletes, rally around their students, their bands, their, everybody was involved. I think that's just so great. And it wasn't like that when I lived in Missouri, high school sports just didn't have the same type of appeal. They were important. The communities liked them, but especially in the more populated areas. I lived in St. Louis County. High school sports were an afterthought. And here it's big. It's, it's really important to the people involved. And that's what I like uh, seeing and why I like to go and cover games week after week because I know it matters so much to the community. Yeah, definitely. I think it's one of those things where you have to be here to understand the kind of community right. feel. Yeah. If you tell people elsewhere, like if I if I tried to explain to some of my Missouri friends about, you know, what the high school tournament here in Maine means, I mean, it just doesn't translate. It, it's it doesn't it doesn't get through because, you know, out there, they, they had when I was there, they had the Rams, they have the Blues, they have the Cardinals, they've got St. Louis University. Mizzou is, is not too far away across the river. Illinois draws a lot of fans. So they've yeah. got really high level pro and college sports right in their backyard. Mm -hmm. We don't have that, say, for University of Maine and UNH, and even those are not the same level as what you'd see in the in the big 
Big Ten of the SEC. So people really do kind of gravitate closer to home with the high school sports here, and it gives it so much more meaning than you have in other places. And I really enjoy that aspect of being in high school sports. Yeah, I do too. All right, well, that's going to do it. We want to, again, thank uh, Rob Kenny for coming in for this awesome interview, and uh, good luck. Hopefully the game is on, on Friday. You can uh, broadcast that. It seems like it's going to be this. There's no yeah. movement yet. So keep my fingers crossed that we get through tomorrow and the game is indeed Friday. Yeah. Awesome. Well, again, thank you, Rob Kenny, for joining us for this interview. You. Enjoyed it. Thanks. We want to thank Rob Kenny for coming in for that awesome interview. Um, and he'll hopefully, if the game uh, stays to Friday night, just due to weather, uh, he'll be able to do that game for WHOU, WHOU, which will be awesome. So you can watch it on WHOU.live, um, which should be a good broadcast and, and again, should be a great game. Uh, moving on to boys soccer, Cole, you and I did senior night um, on Wednesday night. It was a 7-0 win over Massabesic. It was obviously a good win to get them back on track. They're 6-5-1. They're in ninth place. Looks like they're probably going to stay around, stay around that that area. I just want to ask you, what do you think their, their chances are going into the playoffs uh, to maybe make a run? Well, I think they have a decent chance. Of course, last night, almost almost like a bye. Massabesic mm-hmm. hadn't had a win on the season, but still one of those games where you can have fun, try out some new stuff, and just get your groove back going into the final part of the season. But this is just the exciting part right here, the end of the regular season where we're all scrambling to figure out playoff seeding and who's going to play who, home or away. And uh, They have a big matchup coming up with Portland mm-hmm. and Portland's a pretty similar strength to them, so it'd be a good test before uh, the postseason. I don't see them winning uh, just because you know they had they've only scored one goal in their previous four games coming into last night. I don't yeah. see them winning a ton of playoff games and really going on a run, but maybe they could uh, get out of the first round. Yeah, I mean, I watched the whole broadcast last night. You guys did a great job, by the way. I appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's nice to see the the goal output last night. Scoring uh, was it six, seven goals? Seven goals. Seven yeah. goals last night, and uh, you know, it's certainly a, hopefully a confidence booster, I would think, going into the playoff season here. But you know, as you said, Cole, you know, they'd only scored uh, you know one or so goals in the last few matchups, so it's going to be a tough road. Yeah, there's a lot of good teams in, in Southern Maine right now for boys soccer, but uh, certainly again, playoffs. You know, everyone resets to zero and zero, so yep. from a record perspective, so certainly uh, anything can happen. And, and that's why we, you know, you play the games because uh, you never know. Ta could have, you know, get on a good streak here, and hopefully uh, last night's win on Senior Night uh, is that spark that pushes them into a deep playoff drive. Yeah, definitely. Looking at just looking at at the other sports, girls soccer and field hockey. Girls soccer got a win over Massabesic on uh, Tuesday night. That was a three-zero win, and uh, in that game, Jessica Dow had a hat trick. They are set just around seventh right now. Shouldn't really move up. Shouldn't really move down. Uh, which would give them a home playoff game. Uh, so we'll definitely do that game on TTV when we mm-hmm. uh, get the date. And then field hockey, they lost to Scarborough 1-0. They have one more game. That's Thursday night versus Wyndham. They are 9-4 and four right now. They look like they're probably going to also uh, get a bye in the first round. Maybe not. We'll, we'll see what, what happens there. But it looks like the two home playoff games now will be field hockey and girls soccer for TATV. So, again, just looking at our schedule coming up, we have Tuesday the 18th, we have girls soccer versus Portland at 6.30. That's the girls' senior night. And then we end this, the TATV fall sports regular season with a football matchup that is the 27th of October at 7 p.m., which is also senior night for the boys' football team, which, as we said last night in the broadcast, is the first, like, actual night of like for seniors. It's That's re- right, yeah. Usually during the day, which, you know, it's not terrible, but it's actually a senior night, which would be awesome, and uh, and then we'll have some playoff games. So it's looking uh, pretty pretty nice for the next couple of games for us on TATV and should be should be pretty fun. Uh, but now we will uh, we'll move over to, to start with the NFL real quick. Week 5, uh, pretty 
pretty interesting week. I mean, I, I lost again in fantasy football. I'm one and four now, uh, which is tough. I, I haven't. I mean, Cole, quickly, I want to hear about your team. How, how's your fantasy football? Team I'm doing? four and one. I'm doing pretty well. Wow. I got Jalen Hurts and Justin Jefferson are really carrying the ship here. Yep. My running backs are rough, but still. Uh, same. Likewise, uh, my team's a, a little rough right now. I had Jonathan Taylor, who I. I drafted first in an auction draft, and uh, that's not panning out right now very well for me. So yeah. running back's hurting. My quarterback game is hurting. Uh, tough season, and I'm Who's a reigning league champ. Uh, who are my quarterback? Uh, Derek Carr. Mm. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's about all you need to say right there. Mm. Well, yeah. It's not terrible, but, um, you know. I was hoping Devontae Adams, you know, Josh McDaniels, you know, maybe there'd be like a little spark there, yeah. but not not so much. Yeah. But uh, looking at week five, some of the notable things that happened. The Patriots win 29-0. They shut out the Lions, which was a little surprising in my book, but the defense really carried that game. Um, the Chiefs Raiders had a crazy game, 30-29. to Chiefs won. Um, I want, well, this is one of the things I want to talk about was, what do you guys think about the roughing the passer? Well, what I'm going to say is similar to what everybody else is going to say, so you're not going to hear anything new from me. I mean, it needs to change. It needs to be reviewable. Um, and just talking about that game, the Chiefs, the, the Raiders go up 17 to nothing, and you know the Chiefs can score in, in the blink of an eye. And so they hit Kelsey four times in the end zone. They mm -hmm. were extremely mm -hmm. efficient after they got into that 17 nothing hole. Um, you'd like for them to get off to a better start if you're a Kansas City fan, but you know that they can erase that very quickly. Just think about the playoff game a couple years ago versus Houston. They got down t by 24 in the first half and came charging back extremely fast. And they get the Bills this week, which we were saying last night is just another another chapter in the Mahomes and Josh Allen rivalry. So I'm extremely excited to see how that goes. Um, I'm sure we, we might be picking that game, but I think the Bills will probably have the edge in that one. Yeah. I think when it comes to roughing the passer real quick, I think what needs to be considered by officials is intent. Mm -hmm. You know, like when you saw, you know, Chris Jones take down, uh, you know, uh, blanking on the name Derek here. Carr. Derek Carr, thank you. It's like, you know, was he really, you know, was that really intentional? You know, like mm -hmm. things like that. It's like, I, I think, you know, like you said, maybe everything's reviewable. You know, Bill Belichick every single year has said every play should be reviewable. And uh, and again, I think a lot of coaches would, would like that uh, opportunity. Just be like, you know what? I think I'd like to review anything. Yeah. Um, and again, I think certainly intent is one of those. Um, You see that in other sports, though, too. You know, like when uh, teams look at, you know, like, like targeting in college football. Intent is the question. Mm -hmm. You know, did he intend to do it or was it just a, a freak collision freak play in a, in a snap moment so i think the nfl needs to kind of adapt that uh, and hopefully sooner rather than later yeah definitely and it's you know the chiefs obviously uh, as cole said are you know are really good at coming back and and i think deserve where they've gotten to um there's, there's a couple times in that game i thought like after that roughing the passer play that uh you know penalties were calling the raiders that probably shouldn't have been calling the raiders i almost felt like the refs are trying to give um some back to the chiefs but you know, stuff like that happens, and I think it just it looks bad for the Raiders because they're one and four now, and the team the same similar to Broncos. They're supposed they looked really good on paper, but just mm -hmm. it hasn't turned out the way they wanted to. Um, around, I mean, around the NFL, pretty similar. Um, you know, the, the Bucks beat the Falcons. There's you know a couple other um, games like that. Minnesota uh, wins and beats the Bears. Pretty pretty normal week, I would say. Not not anything out of this world. But talk about the Pats real quick. Obviously, twenty nine to zero. Um, it was a three interceptions in that game, and one was, what was a fumble return or interception return for a touchdown. Yeah, it was a fumble return. Fumble return. Yep. Um, I, I was at Buffalo Wild Wings this weekend with my dad watching some of the games, and I didn't really pay, pay attention to that one because I don't have any fantasy football players um, for any of those teams. But, you know, it's a, it's a nice win for them. They're two and three. Billy Zappi played okay. Um, you know, sometimes uh, 
when I have a we have, we have a, we have a block off, Josh, you and I, you know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll mm-hmm. watch uh, Grecian Key for Zolak and Bertrand, and I, I guess that right now they're talking about, oh, is Bailey Zappi going to be the next quarterback? And, no. And and I don't know if you know they'll put Mac Jones back in when he's back from his injury, but I just want to get you guys' thoughts. What do you think about Zappi and and maybe his chance to keep continue playing? Yeah, he he doesn't have a chance to keep playing. <laughs> That's it, you know it's a Mac Jones show. Um, you know I I think you see this in the NFL all the time. I call this the Jonas Gray experiment where yeah. Patriots had Jonas Gray, great running back. You know he had one huge game. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated the following week, yeah. uh, and then he really did nothing else the rest of his career. You know you can certainly catch lightning in a bottle, and I think this is one of those opportunities where Zappi's a really good game manager i think he's proven that you know i will say this though he can throw it at western kentucky he threw for over yeah. six thousand yards in yeah. one season mm-hmm. so he can sling the ball so it's not like this guy has never picked up a football before so yeah. it's just you know i i think you know he doesn't have necessarily the prototypical nfl size so i i think t- defenses once they get a little bit more film on him would be able to adjust obviously accordingly but you know i i think the patriots will obviously go back to jones once he's you know fully healthy and again yeah. good thing about zappy is he's giving the patriots a little bit more time to let jones get fully yeah. back to health before rushing him in there well, first off, Zappy can sling it. I mean, I remember back in college, they would show, um, th- they would ask like a trivia question on the broadcast, and they'd be like, "Who leads the nation in passing yards?" And it would always be Bailey Zappy, Western mm-hmm, Kentucky, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, "Who is this guy? He's dominating over over at Western <laughs> Kentucky." And uh, I think he's definitely underrated coming into the draft. Uh, but they did. I-, I wouldn't even say it was lightning in the bo- in a bottle because they kept him in check and it was the Ramondre Stevenson show Mm -hmm. and he is Mm -hmm. so talented and so shifty and um if Damian Harris doesn't come back he's going to be the guy but that's Mm -hmm. just a little side note Mac Jones will definitely be the guy when they come when he comes back in uh just a lot more options in the playbook for for them uh when he's at the helm but it's a good job by Zappi just coming in tough environment in Green Bay and then gets a really great win uh, at home, and uh, the defense played great. Jack Jones is looking like a possible defensive rookie of the mm-hmm, year candidate, mm-hmm. and um, Judon's doing his thing, and it's just great to see them get back to two and three. They got the Browns this week. They got a pretty easy schedule coming up. They could get on the right side of 500 real quick. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, we'll swing things over to the NHL now, um, which, I mean, I, it's a little surprising. I mean, you might be wondering why we're wearing Bruins jerseys. But, uh, yeah, so the opening night was um, Tuesday night. A couple of good games there with the Bruins with a nice win over the Capitals on Wednesday night. 5-2, to two, big game, uh, big win. They went up 3 nothing. They, you know, gave up two goals but then ended up um, – you know, finishing off pretty easy, 5-2 win. Uh, Pashnak had a, a goal and three assists. Krejci had a goal and two assists. Uh, Hall and Bergeron got goals, and then Lindholm obviously with the empty netter. You know, I'll, I'll ask you, Josh, you know, coming into this season, there's a, definitely a lot of questions. No no McAvoy, mm-hmm. no Martian right now. I mean, DeBrusque went down in that game. Mm-hmm. What, uh, you know, new coach, there's just so many new things and, and so many questions. What... Does this first game does it does it tell you anything about this team or is it just kind of like oh that's that's nice? Well, I mean they didn't lose seven nothing, so that's nice. So yeah. you know yeah. it, it, it's a good sign. You know with a new system as you said there perfectly, Zach, with Jim Montgomery taking over at the helm over Bruce Cassidy, who's now with Las Vegas. You know it's going to take some adjustments. There's going to be mm-hmm. some growing pains. You know last night very encouraging five two opening night win on the road too yep. against a, a, a division rival. But you know it, it was encouraging. I think they're going to have to weather the storm though with these injuries, as you said, McAvoy being out on the defensive back 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 line and then of course Marshand up front on the front line uh that that's gonna be tough you know eventually it, those things are gonna start to show their ugly face here as the season progresses so it's gonna be a question of you know how does players like Krejci who was obviously away for a year stayed home uh now he's back obviously contributed right away last night which was great to see but mm-hmm. can those players fill the roles of those big players uh I, I don't know it, it remains to be seen I think if the Bruins can obviously you know stay in the race you know stay third fourth in the division 
uh, until those guys return. That'd be, a, I think, a great sign, especially with a new coaching staff and a whole new philosophy on both offense and defense. So it will take a little bit of time, but again, yeah. encouraging first signs last night. Yeah, de definitely um, a good start for them. And I think um, with McAvoy and Marcia now, games like this are games where I'm not really sure if we're going to get a win. And so to put one uh, you know, in, in the win column is great for us. Um, you know, Arizona uh, coming up on Saturday and then and Florida on Monday. So, you know, it's, uh, it, it, October is an odd month. It's because like it, sometimes it's usually the month where you have a lot of West Coast teams you're playing, just like random games you have mm -hmm. to get through. Um, so we'll, we'll definitely have to watch that. Um, you know, it's episode 33. I thought, even though we, we did uh, mention it a couple episodes ago, uh, uh, Chara retiring, just thought we'd, we'd mention it again, obviously. If you if you missed it, which I'm not sure how you missed it, uh, Chara <laughs> retired a few weeks ago, uh, signed a one-day contract to retire as a Bruin, which is nice to see a lot of um, former players and current players in attendance for that, uh, which was nice. And seems like he was happy to retire a Bruin. Everyone's happy for that. Um, he didn't, I mean... Not many milestones for him, like, career-wise. I mean, he had a, played a ton of games, but points was not really there. It was more of just, like, what he did as a captain for the Bruins and, and how he kind of helped uh, the community. And he's just a, a great player that was here for so many years. I just uh, – do you have any thoughts? Do, you, do either of you have any thoughts on, on Chara? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, he was kind of like a perennial Norris Trophy candidate. Mm -hmm. um, certainly, you know, I think one thing he always would lead the league in a lot of times was on ice time. Yes. You know, he was always up in the 25, 26-minute range mm -hmm. uh, per game, which is obviously huge. Um, and, again, that that's what you need right there. You know, he would show those younger guys, you know, how to be a pro, you know, how to be a pro's pro, more or less. Um, and again, I think that's where his greatest strength as a captain for the Bruins was, uh, was from that, as you said, Zach, that leadership perspective. He wasn't going to fill up the stat sheet necessarily from an offensive perspective, but certainly, you know, just his presence. You know, teams had to game plan around him, especially when he was in his prime in the late, in the early and late 2000s. Um, you know, you just could not put the puck on his side of the ice. You know, he was just so big, you know, the biggest yeah. player ever in NHL history um, that was just something unique uh, that teams just you know struggle with obviously and again credit to him he kept his conditioning playing into his mid-40s in the NHL yeah. I mean this is a young man's game um, and he was playing you know at a pretty high level even into his 40s um, so again credit to him uh, for his longevity um, he really likes Boston you know I think turning the corner here kind of looking now to the future I wouldn't be shocked to see him come back in some type of player development role with the Bruins his family is very settled he has said multiple times he's not moving away from Boston so I think him signing a one-day contract with the Bruins is maybe a little precursor to something down the road here for him and his family once he's you know kind of settled and figured out what he wants to do with the next phase of his life yeah I just think it's <clears throat> sorry I just think it's his presence. You know, he's a very recognizable figure with, mm -hmm. with the height. What is he like seven one, and he's it, it's, a, it's, he, a, it's like six nine. I think I he's think? like seven seven feet with with skates on. They okay. said, yeah, yeah. 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 I, but yeah, he's a very recognizable figure and a captain, and he's been a great leader for them. So yeah, I think I think they should probably retire his jersey soon. Yep. Mm -hmm. And absolutely, um, it'll be exciting to see. Yeah, I think they're doing a. a they're not. I think they're not going to do it this year because they already announced the ceremonial puck drop. Makes sense. You're not going to immediately retire a jersey like that. It's usually not how it goes. But do you see the ref like gave a speech before the game the other night? Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. that's that's old. That's weird. I mean, I, I, there were two different refs that did that about like, oh, let's have a good season, let's have all fun and everything. And but um, the the thing I saw is that some of the reporters after the game talked to the players and said that they were. Not not annoyed with it, but they just didn't see the point of it. Like we, they're obviously going to have a good season. They obviously know it's going to be fun. Like you don't need to start the game like that. But um, yeah, it, it was a it was a little weird to start like that. But um, definitely sad to see Chara go. But you know, it, it had to happen at some point. I think the last couple of years that he's just been bouncing around. You know, just getting third. 
third pairing minutes and, and not playing too much. So good for him to retire as a Bruin. Got a couple more Bruins questions before we wrap up here. Just want to quickly get your guys' thoughts. Where do you think the Bruins will end up um, this season? Whereas, like, maybe like points or, or where they might end up in the playoffs? I'd say third in the division. I, I honestly think they're going to have a pretty good season. You know, they're not going to be they're not going to be the top of the division, but I think, like we said, third, maybe fourth. You know, I think they're absolutely going to be contending for a playoff spot though down the road. Yeah, uh, I think it, like you were saying last night, a lot of the teams in, in their division that they play a lot got better, so it might be tough for them. They're, it almost seems like they're stuck at, in a first round exit, mm. second round exit. Mm -hmm. um, they kind of lose in that all year, so I think they'll probably get to the second round this year. Yeah, and to finish up the Bruins talk. Uh, you know, Cole, you may or may not know about this, but uh, I, I bet you and I have talked about it a lot, Josh. Um, Poshnok still does not have a, a contract extension. He is um, under contract for this year, but next year we'll, we'll need a contract. Mm -hmm. they, they've had talks. At certain times, it felt like they were going to get something done. Other times, it feels like they haven't talked at all. Do you, where, where do you think they're going to be at dollar amount, and do you think it'll get done any time before the trade deadline? I I honestly don't think it's going to get done before the trade deadline. Okay. I think the Bruins are in a very tough spot from a salary cap perspective, and honestly, I don't think it can be resolved until the off season when you can just unload guys, trade them, yep. waive them, whatever they've got to do. Um, you know, his average annual value is probably going to be you know ten. Ten and a half, yeah. you know that's really high for the NHL, yeah. but he's worth it. He's worth it, um, you know. And I think what you're going to have to do, and the Bruins are going to have to, I think, have a reset. You know, I think, you know, obviously, I think this is Bergeron's last year. Krejci's. This is Krejci's last year. You know, there's going to be guys coming off the books regardless. Mm -hmm. um, I want Patrice to say, please don't go, Patrice. Yes. But, um, yeah. but if this is it, um, you know, I think that's going to free up a little bit of cap. But they're going to have to restructure a lot of this team here to keep him in. Honestly, we, they they cannot let him go. He is just a, a generational yeah. talent, and they need to keep him at all at all expenses. And Pasternak's camp knows that. They know how valuable he is. So I think they're going to wait this out and try to get uh, again ten plus AAV for him. Yeah. You got a dollar value? I I, mean, I do not. I'll leave that up to you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I'm with you, Josh. I think ten point five to eleven probably. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things they said was. They're looking at the way uh, Jonathan Huberto's contract was structured, which was eight years, ten point five million, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which was a little bit overvalued uh, for Calgary. But you know, I, I'm, I, I know it'll be up there, so I'm preparing myself for it to be up there. And and like you said, you know, it's not just Bergeron and Krejci too. That Felino, Smith, mm -hmm, Nosek. Mm -hmm. I mean, all those guys, they're they're older. They're probably not going to be this team next year. So it's probably going to look like you know. Marshan and Pasternak and Hall and some of those guys and a bunch of young players next year, which I'm a little excited for, but also sad to see some of these guys go. But um, we'll definitely have to wait. I think uh, I think maybe there might be a trade before, but we'll have to see. We'll finish up this week with pick the winners real quick. Uh, five, four games this week. Start off with a NHL game. Uh, Cole, we'll just say Cole's winning right now, and I'm not doing very well. <laughs> and this is Josh's first week, so it's all win percentage. So. It's only up for here for me. So, yeah, yeah. all right. <laughs> First game is the Colorado Avalanche at the Flames. I'll go with the defending champs. Ooh, I'll do the same. Um, Colorado. I'll go Colorado as well. Uh, then we have the New England Patriots at the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. Sticking with picking against the Patriots, I'm going with the Browns. No, Patriots. Belichick knows Brissett very well, so Patriots by ten. Yeah, um, I, I I hope and think that will happen, but yeah. you got to pick against them. Just. Uh, I'm going to go with the Browns. I just think that uh, with how they played against the Chargers, even though the Chargers didn't play very well, I think the Browns have a good chance of winning that game. And Nick Chubb is, is on fire right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. um, our third game is, as Cole predicted, uh, Buffalo Bills at the Kansas City Chiefs. That's the primetime game of the week at 425. Mm. I'm going with the Bills in Arrowhead. 
I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I, I think okay. I think wow. Kelsey. I I don't trust Buffalo's running game. Okay. I I don't. I go. I'm going to go Buffalo. Um, after that, that how they basically just like trampled the Steelers this past week. I'm not even going to go against them. So I'm going to pick Bills. And we're finishing up with uh, Broncos at the Chargers. Um, that is on Monday night. That's not even a question. It's the Chargers. Uh, Broncos are in disarray right now. Uh, they they just their offense is just uh, in shambles. Russell Wilson, something's wrong there. So yeah. uh, again, new system, new coach. I don't know what it is, but I'm gonna go Chargers uh, by 14. Yeah, give me the Chargers as well. They got to get off to a fast start though, because if they're in close games at the end, they just make terrible decisions. Mm-hmm. So I'm not doing very well this this pick the winners this this year. Um, but I want to go against you guys. I'm gonna pick the Broncos with an upset, mm. and the reason why is I feel like at this point, there's nowhere to go but up for them. And the Chargers are in this weird spot right now where they're playing well, but their defense is not. And I think that they might lose the game to the Broncos. So I'm gonna pick mm. the Broncos, and hopefully I get some some points out of this one from you guys. But uh, we appreciate you guys all watching, and that's going to do it for episode 33. We'll be back next week with another episode, and uh, hopefully the Bruins get a couple more wins by the time we start that episode. But I want to thank Josh and Cole for coming in this morning, and uh, have a great day, everybody.